Hello, everybody, and welcome to the My Minds podcast, where we demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the fitness and exercise community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest My Minds interview, uh, where we talk about all things mental health within exercise, sports, athletes, and everything to do with fitness and exercise. Um, today, I am here with Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show, George. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, today, we're here with Mike to talk about, I think, some kind of very thought-provoking stuff. Um, Mike's recently, or well, when this comes out, it'll be coming out in eight days prior to when this interview is first released, um, has written and has published a book called Suicidal to Superhuman, Accepting Mental Illness and Its Role in Global Sanity. Did I get that right, Mike? Yeah, 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 you said it perfectly. Perfect, perfect. I've just finished reading your book, and honestly, I absolutely loved it. I said just before we started this interview that it was thought-provoking and kind of made me question the way that I was thinking about things, and I actually resonated with you a lot um, when I was reading the book. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I think, I think a lot of people will. Yeah, you know, I wrote, it, I wrote it in a way to my younger self. It was stuff that I've learned over the years that I really wish I'd known earlier, uh, that would have maybe made my life a little bit easier earlier on and just having a little bit more tools, giving me a bit more of a head start so I didn't have to feel like I was struggling through a lot of this uh, alone, paving my own path. So so glad that you resonated with it. That's, that's why I wrote it for people who are like, great, new way to think or something. Yeah, and honestly, that, that, comes, that comes through in the book. Um, just reading it, you kind of get that, that message that you are teaching someone. Like you're, you know, you're, you're trying to give advice to someone like, like your younger self, like you say. So we kind of um, jumped into a bit about the book there. But can, we, can you start off like, just reeling it back a little bit? Can you oh, yeah, yeah. Um, give us a bit of an introduction to yourself? Um, kind of tell us where you're from. You don't sound English to me. So um, <laughs> you know, kind of give us a little bit of background about where you're from. And also, um, obviously, with my minds, we're talking all about mental health. So can you give us a bit of a brief history of your um, either professional or personal mental health story? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it basically, I think it was probably about the age of 13 or 12 or around the right there that I figured something's not quite right up here. You know, I went to therapists and I was just this really sensitive kid who was always struggling on what was going on. Like, why is life so difficult? Why do I often not even want to be here? I, I don't get it. And that really spiraled into an exploration that has led me, you know, I'm in my 40s now that's kind of stuck around the whole time, like figuring out what, what's going to make life worth living. Uh, so I've done a lot of different things in life professionally, but this was always um, the, the most important thing to me because no matter what I did, I found like, oh, I'm happy or sad. Like I could have a good job. I could make a lot of money, still have good days and bad days. I could be uh, living in my car, which I've done too, because I'm like, hey, look, I'm still having good days and bad days. It, it's what else is going on here? What is it that, that's really going to be the impactful stuff that's going to make life rich? So that, that really has been a obsession of mine that I just could never let go. Like, why? What is it? Um, and that was really the impetus to uh, all of my work. And then sharing the book was just something I, I couldn't not do. It was again at this point, like, where's the meaning? What do I have to do? And it was in sharing uh, this book. And, mm. and uh, you I answered your question. No, you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
You didn't actually say where you're from, just quickly. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you for forgiving my shortcomings. I'm not <laughs> English. Um, I'm out in California. I was born and raised in California. And uh, the majority of my life has been here. I spent time in Germany and Austria also. That's yeah, I, that, that's kind of why I wanted to allude to as well as the fact that you, you're written in your book. You know, you seem like you've done a lot of things and you've been to a lot of places. Um, but I remember there was a very long list of the different things you've, you've kind of worked in and had training in. Um, can you kind of reveal a few of them to us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I studied psychology in college and I did it because I thought that's where I would find answers. And I didn't, I found a lot of answers, but none that felt that they were resonated with me. None that were really uh, mirrored my internal workings. And because of that, I didn't go on. I didn't continue to get a master's. Uh, and instead I looked into other places and, and one, you know, some of them were like shamanism. I, I worked with the Lakota chief for a while um, and Hakomi and NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, if you're familiar with that. Basically anything where anybody had anything to say regarding how we operate, I looked into and heard what they said. And I took little tidbits from all of them. I'm like, oh, this feels right to me. This is a personally how I, I understand myself to operate. And what I started seeing was a theme in a lot of them, which is wonderful. You know, I did uh, practice Qigong as well for a while. And to hear something in, in Qigong, which comes from the East, and then also something from, you know, the indigenous in, in the Americas, it's like, how are these the same? These cultures are so different. How are they coming up with some of these same theories and, and ideas? Like, there must be something deeper to that, that really ties into the fundamental workings. So I'm open to anything. I think, I think truths are hidden everywhere all the time. We just have to be able to recognize them and pick them out and, and then pop that into our toolbox. Mm, I think, because um, you can tell from the book, and I just think from the way you articulate yourself, that you, you've got this kind of vast knowledge from different areas. Um, and I think um, it's something that I try and, and do myself is I try and learn from every difference because I'm, I'm currently a master's student i'm just finishing up i've got about five days until my final submission not stressed wow. at all um congrats. But, <laughs> congrats that's a big deal yeah thank you um but so obviously we're pushed down the kind of research route and and the stuff that you'll deal with in a college and at uni um but i also try and i try and take from you know from um books like i try and read um like philosophy and um, you know i try and get like words and, and different rules and different meanings and things from all sorts of different areas because I think like you say if you experience everything and you find the links in between them all often that's where the hidden secrets are or where the actual golden nuggets lie. Absolutely yeah and the old saying you know that the truth isn't a grain of sand I, I don't think I'm saying it right but uh, <clears throat> you know truth is reflected everywhere around us and, and once you open stuff up you could learn about engineering and, and it's just uh, stretching us more and, and uh, that whole holistic gestalt kind of understanding of, of the system. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm endlessly curious and I love people. I, I talk to you too. You have that analytical mind, which I think is, you know, I'm sure not much passes you. If there's a curiosity, you're like, well, why? Mm. You know, always asking like, well, how does that work? And I do think they all tie together. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. Um, so we'll get onto your book. Um, so before we end up just talking about everything in life, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, 
So just to kind of start out, um, we've mentioned your book and we've kind of spoken a little bit about it and mentioned the title and stuff. Could you give um, kind of your version of like a brief synopsis of the book? Yeah, um, I'd, I'd kind of break it into three parts. It's definitely large part memoir, my personal experience and struggles. And uh, a lot of things that I did to cope before I had better tools. And that, that kind of comes to the second part of the book, which it's, it's large part tool book. There's a lot of very step-by-step -step things on how I actually started to cope and turn this difficulty into uh, an asset, how to overcome a lot of it. And in that, there's also a lot of indicators for somebody not struggling. Uh, I think this book can be really helpful to maybe understand somebody who is. So if you have a loved one or, or a daughter or a parent who's struggling, you don't quite get them. I think this might give a glimpse on how they might see the world to give a little bit of empathy. Mm. Uh, and then also, you know, the tools are applicable to anybody. Some of us just need them to survive. But, you know, they really will help anybody, even if you feel really healthy, to take it, you know, to the next level and open up some more. Yeah, I think... Um... In, I, in regards to the kind of you know, helping someone who doesn't necessarily have the issues, but is knows someone who does, um, I, I definitely get that from the book. And I think often one of the, the biggest downfalls that people have when they're struggling with mental health is that they can't quite articulate um, or they mm. can't, they can't um, articulate from themselves um, how, like how to help the individual so they can't quite find the words and how to question them or how to unlock this issue that they're having and I think your book provides that in a lot of ways you kind of you go in-depth analysis into the ways that you felt during mm. these different you know these extreme lows and you know the the ways that you felt during the moments when you were exploring how to you know how to find your way out um and yeah, I think that's something that people can get a lot out of this book is it's not just if you are currently struggling, it can be, you know, for, for the future you that might end up struggling or mm. um, for, you know, a friend or a family member who is struggling and you want to help them. Um, and as like, like you say as well, I think um, you give you give tools to, pr to prevent someone hitting that, you know, going to that, that level mm. of, you know, deteriorating in some manner. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, being able to articulate what's going on is such a crucial first step to anything. Mm. Um, and once we, can, once we can do that, and sometimes we need a little bit of help. And if somebody points it out, you know, we obviously uh, often can't see our own block. So if somebody points out just a little bit, you're like, oh my God, yes, that is how I feel. Um, starting to learn that and make that part of the daily uh, practice is going to be so powerful when you get up and you're like, I feel like, I feel like crap today. Why do I feel so bad? And, you know, starting to get the tools of like, well, oh, I feel bad because of this. Like, I didn't even know I could say that. So, so building, I don't want to say building. I think a lot of people who have uh, challenges in, in mental health department are really sensitive people. So it's, it's tuning that sensitivity into uh, back in on ourselves in a way where we can just find that little thing that's out of place. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you don't, you don't throw the whole car out because one little thing's wrong. You find that little, it's like, Oh, it's this $5 part. 
And it's kind of similar here. It's like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm off. I feel like crap. I'm depressed or whatever. It's like, oh, it's just these couple little things that need a tweak. And articulating that is so important. Being able to hone in on that specific stuff is just the key to unlock all of that. Mm, and I, I, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and I think, I think in your book, um, I remember you, you mentioned one of your kind of um, tools for people to get better is journaling. I think you mentioned that from him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and here at Maya Minds, like a big part of what we do is we share people's stories on our website. I don't know if you've seen, but um, we collect people's mental health stories and we share them on our website. So we have, we have them freely. We have, I think we have 79 unique stories from different people um, for, with their kind of you know, issues and things that they're working through, things that they've worked through. And a big part of the reason why I try and get people to do that is because it helps you articulate. It helps you, you know, get your story on paper. It becomes physical and you can have those epiphany moments. Um, and then also for people reading them, they can also get those epiphany moments just from mm -hmm. reading their stories. Um, and I think your your book's just going to be like a like an, an like a mega version of that, <laughs> where it's like not just an individual person's stories, but you know you you take your you take your story, but you also add in all the things you've learned and all your ideas and and give people tools from there. So um, yeah, I think I honestly think this book is going to be great for a lot of people um i think I, I i honestly can't think of someone who wouldn't get something out of it which sounds like you paid me to say that but you haven't um, <laughs> uh, but yeah i i do i think this is going to be um a brilliant thing for people to read good yeah i mean i i wrote it just because i mean yeah i i needed this as i mentioned so anybody who can resonate and help uh i think we need this in the world i don't want to mm -hmm. get again, on a tangent philosophically, but yeah. I, I really think we need to kind of step it up and anyone that can help each other, you know, in this uh, network, what you're doing is great, sharing stories, hearing there's other people out there like you and learning from the people who have something to offer uh, and getting more tools so we can all really kind of step into uh, the next phase and iteration. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm kind of go. I'm, I feel like I'm going so off of the question because beforehand we kind of <laughs> pre spoke about the questions, but I'm just kind of enjoying the, the back and forth here. So I'm just going to um, kind of go with it as the kind of title suggests, you talk quite a lot about um, suicide in the, in the book. And one thing that I, I found really interesting and, and um, quite refreshing um, and actually so something that I've, I kind of, mimics my own mindset um about this is that you actually talk about suicidal thoughts and being in a suicidal place is actually being something that can be positive mm. um and you know in, and positivity can come out of it which i imagine for a lot of people listening sounds kind of counterintuitive and doesn't seem to make sense um, can you explain to the listeners and, and myself um some of the kind of positives that can come out of suicidal thoughts or like how how someone can turn that into a into a positive thing. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, th that's a very sensitive part. So I think before I, I just give a general answer, um, I'll, I'll share a little bit of my personal side about that because I know that is a very, that's a very uh, difficult thing for some people to swallow. How, how could that possibly be a positive thing? Um, for me personally, and, and I think this ties a little bit philosophically to what I think uh, the meaning of life and the meaning of death and really most notably what will happen in the transition when we die. Um, I, I have a belief that 
I will have to face myself when I die. The first and foremost step will be having to face my real self and, and answer to myself. And that belief that I hold, coupled with the courage that it takes to actually, if, if you, someone were to consider suicide, that's a, I don't want to glorify it at all, but it, it takes, it's not, I don't think, an easy thing. It's this massive thing, even mentally, to, to consider that. So between those two things for me, I got the courage to say, look, I'm going to look to face myself before I die. I'm going to have to do this anyway. Why not do this while I'm alive? And that way, when I do pass, hopefully there'll be, um, you know, it'll make that easier, maybe more deserved, um, maybe even possibly pleasurable. So for me, that was a big part of it. It's like, well, let's do this now. Like, get, get this hard stuff out of the way. And the irony is in doing that, I found for me what was the essence of life. And that was coming to our authenticity, like getting to know ourselves as intimately as possible. So there was this really great irony. So that's the backstory of that is for me personally, it really led me to discovering things that made life really wonderful and outstanding. And I mean, just like enjoyable. And uh, on a more generalized answer, uh, and again, there's always exceptions, but I, I think when most people are considering or, or even thinking about suicide as a possibility, um, what there is a part that wants to and needs to, to die. It's a shame if, and what happens a lot is we identify so much with the parts that we're not happy with. We believe that's all of us. And then when that happens, we, we see suicide as the only way out. But the reality is there's so much more of us. And we're just so tied into, we're so identified with these parts of us that are suffering, unhappy, not doing what we think we can do or are able to do. And because of that, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater or going back to the car analogy. It's like, there's a few things wrong with the car. You know, you're out of gas. It's like, oh my, if all you're thinking about is gas, you're pretty screwed. It's like the car's out of gas. But if you, if you start to learn how to become your own mechanic a bit, you're like, oh, well, this is how I work. I just need this. I need to get rid of this. You know, I, I'm out of gas. I got a flat tire. You fix those. The whole majority of the system is still working perfectly fine. So suicidal um, thinking, depression, these are all symptoms. There's like that check engine light that goes on. And if we start to see those as that, it's, it's just an indicator that we need to make an adjustment somewhere. Mm. I, what, one thing that um, I love about, about your book, um, because obviously you do touch on these kind of difficult subjects. And one of the things I love is right at the start, you say that, um, everything in this book is kind of your own is your own thoughts and you understand that you know it is kind of a learning process and the way the way that I read it is is almost like you know you're 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 showing this the person that you're you've written this for you're showing them what you've learned and allowing them to make the decision because it is like you're saying you know we all have our own car and we all have the our own little intricacies that are, are, you know, are wrong with it so we all need different things um, and your the you know your your book is kind of highlighting you know the possible you know it could be it could be that you're out of fuel it could be that you got a flat tire it could be that mm. your your windscreen wipers snapped off or you know there's all these different 
there's all these different things that could be an issue and the, he's here are the tools that you know could help you um and you know it's it's it, i love i love that about the book that you know you you aren't um i think often in self in like these kind of these kind of books where we talk about mental health or talk about kind of um you know ways to improve your psyche etc it's it's often quite um objective and like this is the way and if you don't do it this way you're wrong um but your book doesn't feel that way which i like yeah i i mean you know i'm i'm working hard to create a program right now and the, the difficulty in that is that we are all different. I do completely believe there's practices, you know, it's, and, and I know a lot of uh, the audience here at, at MyoMinds is also in exercise. And there's an, a lot of analogies with that. And you can absolutely have an exercise routine that, that's good for pretty much everybody. But it's so important to get those fine tweaks because, you know, if somebody's posture is a little, they hurt themselves. Or if, um, uh, you know, somebody needs a little bit of focus in one area, but you know, the little fine adjustments are, can really make the difference between uh, really going to the next kind of level, really letting the stuff sink in, really seeing some profound shifts mm. and, uh, and not. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think, um, especially within the exercise community, I think what you were talking about earlier um, to do with how the authenticity and and learning about yourself and you know one of the ways that journaling helps is by learning about yourself and i think um i often call it our definitions of ourself where um a lot of gym goers define themselves as a as a gym goer and mm. they don't allow themselves to to come out of that stereotype because they almost feel like they're they're going against their group or you know they you know they're, they're kind of betraying themselves in some kind of manner um yeah. I'm interested in what your thoughts are on, on, on that kind of, you know, um, the idea that, you know, people, people tend to, are afraid to be outside of what is maybe stereotypically accepted for them to be. Yeah. I mean, that, that's such a, that's a profound thing to notice. And it, it's a really interesting topic. I mean, the, the ability that we have as humans to categorize is so, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. It's so helpful in so many ways, but then it can also be debilitating in a lot of ways. And, you know, in the, in the book specifically, I talk about, you know, and, and I, I never ever said, I knew deep down, but I never admitted to being, you know, bipolar or having depression or any of this stuff because in, my upbringing, that was this stigma and this category that I felt people adhered to way too much and I would never be able to break out. I'm fine saying that now because I also, I think part of what we need to do is start to break these categories down. We're so, uh, we're so into these like group identities. Like you mentioned the gym, I'm a gym goer. It's like, well, I'm a rock climber, you know, or I'm a biker. It's like, Okay, great. That's all fine and good, but let's also not forget all that we share, you know, the bigger group. And, you know, in, in this uh, metaphor, it'd be exercise. Like, I don't care if you're in the gym or a rock climber or martial artist. It's like, we are all so interested in how our bodies work. And I think we can just let those, uh, uh, the, the categories just dissolve and, and really have a discussion about that. Uh, and that goes for anything, you know, religion, politics. It's like, let's 
okay, let's drop all this stuff that, that's just uh, specific to our category and let's talk about the stuff that supersedes all of that. Mm. And, and with exercise in the gym, and, and that's empowering because then you can start to bring stuff, you know, you better believe the rock climber, the biker, the martial artist is going to have some really good stuff to offer the gym goer category in regards to how the body works. And merging that a little bit is, I think, so empowering. Mm. Uh, and in the mental health regard, it's like, okay, great. Okay, I, I have bipolar. I'm depressed. Great. Now let's talk about all the stuff that still keeps you human, that still makes you human. And that's going to just lower the, um, uh, it's going to make it that much easier to shift categories. And, and not that that's the goal, but it's going to make it easier to, uh, to come together and just to really operate uh, functionally without the stigma or without the, the bounds of that category rather. Mm, I think I think once you once you kind of open up those categories or open up the definition of yourself, is opening it up. It it allows you freedom to to. It's almost like it's almost like taking the shackles off or taking the chains off. You know, I don't have to. You know, some people can a common one within the gym is you know feeling pressured that you have to train every day or you have to you know you have to do these things because otherwise you know you're gonna you're gonna let your you let yourself mm. down. You know, if, if you are someone that, that wants to, you know, I, I, I'm a weightlifter and I, I lift weights, but I also write poetry and I also like run my minds and, you know, there, there, there's lots of different parts of me, but a, a, a big thing that I had to do when, when I was, you know, improving my mental health was allowing myself to be other things, not be mm. this, you know, this one solid thing that I thought would make people like me and make me, oh, you know, yeah. make me part of the, this group. Yeah, I, I love it. It's so empowering to, to, to and it, it takes courage to, especially if you're really identified with the group. I did a lot of martial arts and, and I remember when I first met the group I trained with, I already was wearing the same clothes. We had these like whitewashed jeans, a t-shirt and these Adidas indoor soccer shoes, these Sambas. And I hadn't even met him and I walked into the room and they were all wearing the same thing. And I'm like, my heart kind of jumped. I'm like, is this my people? <laughs> I mean, it's really powerful to find that. And, and it takes a lot of courage to, I mean, that's one of these fundamental fears of humanity is not being accepted, you know, to be insignificant or to be, uh, uh, you know, ousted by a group. So it takes a lot of courage to be completely with your group, completely open and honest, and also be like, hey, I write poetry. Mm. Or, I, I or, think... Um, touching on your kind of you know those fears i read somewhere i can't remember who i'm quoting here but it's um that the every human has two basic fears it's one is the fear that we're not good enough and two is the fear that no one will love us because of that oh man um i think that's i think that's perfect like i i, I think i can apply that to everything and everyone um yeah yeah i think i think if we all woke up and really sat with that, those two thoughts every morning and and then went ahead with our what we wanted i think the world would be an incredible place mm. we all had the courage to overcome those those two things yeah it's, it's incredibly difficult and i don't think there are very many people if anyone who has managed it um well some that do end up being so successful and mm. and you know even in my uh recent path doing i mean this wasn't an easy thing to come out and say but the immediately people are 
coming in, even close family and close friends who, who may not have known a lot of these things. When I find the more vulnerable and open I am, the more people just are like, feel safe and are like, oh, you know what? I do too. And it's like, thank you. And it's this great irony that our biggest fear, you know, which is often being our real selves and not being accepted for it, ends up just like making everything more palatable. Once we just do that and face it, we end up getting everything we want. Mm. It's like, and wow, now I'm actually being accepted. And, and at least, you know, the first step is really accepting ourselves for that. You know, it's hard to put ourselves out halfway um, and judging ourselves, but. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's, a, it's a terrifying prospect, but normally it's it, on, on the other side of that fear is, is something great. And even if, even if the, pers- the actual person you say it to doesn't necessarily react in the way that you, you want it, although most of the time they, they end up doing so, or they just, they end up just not caring enough, like as much as you thought they did. That's, right. that's often my thing is I think, I think I'm going to tell this person, oh, I have an eating disorder. And then they're going to be like, oh my, what, right. how, and it really they just go like, oh, okay. And then we yeah. just carry on with whatever else we were talking about. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I'm hungry. Are you going to, you want to come? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically it. Um, okay. So another thing I wanted to talk about in the book is um obviously we spoke about how the book kind of gives a lot of tips about turning like you know adapting your life and and adding these different tools in um one of the things that you mentioned that i love is that um often when we hit a low point and we Mm. put things in place to help um, but then when these things help us to get better, we revert to uh, what I think you called an autopilot, or we kind of mm. go back to the ways we were. Um, is this something that you, that, this is something that I've noticed in myself and in other people, and is this something that you've had to deal with your, like personally? I mean, all the time. I, I love the question. It's, we are, we are almost laughable as a species. It's like, and when you're able to step out from yourself and see that, like you clearly have, it's, it's, it's almost laughable. You're like, okay, I hit this rough point. I start doing all these practices. I feel amazing quickly. You know, a couple of weeks pass, a month, you're like, I'm on top of the world. And then next thing you know, you're back in front of the TV or whatever your, your things are. And, and you just start declining again. And it's like, why? If, if you can see it, why can't we change it? Mm. and it, it I mean it really comes down to to discipline and there's there's a couple levels of discipline one is just the immediate making the work in and of itself rewarding and feel good and that's something I've really had to work hard to cultivate and it's part part of my practice and part of my discipline is actually to create more discipline and but in a way that feels good. And, and again, you know, with the exercise community and working out, this is, it's a really great metaphor. You know, you could feel like a slob, feel terrible about yourself. And those first couple of weeks going to the gym, if that's your thing, usually are going to suck. You may kind of feel good. You may, you may feel good because you have the motivation to do that. But your body's going to hurt. You're going to be weak. Um, and you'll, you'll start to see results, but it's kind of miserable at first if, if you've mm. been out of the gym for a while, but after you do it for a bit and you have that practice, you know, the short-term benefit, the short-term, uh, um, reward is that it starts to feel really good. You know, you go in there and you lift weights and your, your muscles, your blood's pumping 
the work in and of itself feels really good. And you get the benefits of the longer term, you know, you get healthier, you get that strength that you can only develop after, you know, doing something for months and years or decades even. And it's the same thing with this. So for me, you know, some of these tools, though, they're, you only recognize the benefits of them when you're really in a dark place and you use them and you get out of that dark place. Mm. But when you continue to do them, uh, like for me, and I'll use meditation as an example, that's only one tool, you know, but I do different breath work, all these things. I've made them just like working out in, in and of their themselves feel good. And once you're, once you read what they do for you, it starts to feel that much better and doing the work gets easier. Mm. So discipline is kind of a harsh word. It, it, I, I kind of feel like part of the word discipline means it, it's only being done because of your, uh, you know, your, your tenacity, not because mm. uh, you actually want to. But for me, discipline also kind of means like, no, it's a ritual, it's practice. And, and it can really be a empowering, freeing thing. I mean, um, for me, the essence of freedom actually lies in discipline, like this ritual. Uh, and then once you have those, those boundaries, then you can really shine and explore. It's this irony, you know, this yin-yang, this like uh, power of opposites, you know. Mm, if, mm. If, if i'm not getting too far out on on a uh no no it's um it's a really it's a, like, i'm glad you like the question and i thought it was just a i loved that point there's like there's a lot of points in your book that kind of you know um highlighted to me and you should see the notes that i made i've got like i've got like a massive sheet of notes for what i was going to ask you and i had to pick a few um but i thought this was a really important one because i think it's really um, especially speaking to the exercising community, I think it's really good because the example that I immediately thought of was um, for my squats, I always get really tight hips and mm. I, I'll, I won't stretch at all. I won't do any mobile stuff and then I'll get <laughs> injured. My, my hips will get injured. So then I'll start stretching and they'll get better and then I'll stop yeah. doing the stretching again and then they get right. worse. And <laughs> it's, it's a similar concept. Right. And you watch yourself do it and mm. it's, it's almost laughable, right? Because every yeah. time you're like, okay, this helps. I'll do it for a minute and then back in autopilot, right? Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's solved. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because even if it happens over and over again, it, you still just, it's just, it's almost like you're just hoping that the, the, it's not going to happen again for what, even though you know it's not, and even though you know that it will, it's just, you're just hoping, like, oh, maybe this time, maybe this time it'll be different. But, um, and I think it's the same, the meditation is the <laughs> example that I have as well, where, um, if I meditate every day, even just for like two or three minutes, like really short, um, I always feel better. I always, mm. my mindset is always better. But then when I feel really good, I'll start being like, oh, you know what? I'm like, I'm doing all right. I won't, I won't bother with it anymore because I'm doing okay. And then I'll start to deteriorate and then I'll pick it up again. And I do it every time. It's like this cycle of just like, George, what are you doing? And it's one of the main things that I got from your book is that like, you're, you, you give, you kind of explain it in a, in a more in-depth way, but like you're saying is, you know, converting it into something that's, that's positive um, and making it, you know, even though discipline, the word discipline has this kind of negative connotations with it, of it being like a forced thing, you know, you can, you can be just, mm -hmm. you can have discipline and it be, you know, enjoyable or positive. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't believe I just said that word so many times because even <laughs> hearing it out of your mouth, I'm like, Ooh, discipline. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times what you need to do is just do that cycle so many times, you just get so fed up with yourself, you've just had enough, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's the best way to do it, but it's, I think that's the way a lot of us do it. It's interesting, it actually kind of reminds me of the, um, when you mentioned in your book, like, make rock bottom now, um, you know, mm -hmm. like that cyclical nature, you know, because in the book you talk about how, you know, rock bottom, there is no such thing, it's just, you hit, you hit a point where you start, where you like, yeah, I've had enough of this. Um, yeah. And then you start to get better. I think it's similar to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, rock bottom's a choice. I used to find it because I heard stories about rock bottom. Mm. Oh, you hit rock bottom and you come up. So I would, I kind of would hit rock bottom and be like, I think I could go lower. And sure <laughs> enough, I did. And then I'm like, wow, well, I want to make sure I'm at rock bottom so I don't do it again. And then next thing you know, you're like, okay, it's clear. The only rock bottom is actually death. So like, this is what I'm calling rock bottom. I'm not going any lower. Let's start taking the steps and stick with the practice. Mm. And I, so um, a bit of kind of knowledge about me is I, I, I um, with my dad, um, mm. we, I worked with a lot of kind of like alcoholics and um, with like Alcoholics Anonymous and things like yeah. that. Um, and um, a big thing that you often hear about alcoholics and, and you know, just any kind of addiction is that the, you know, they, ha they have to reach a, a low point to then mm. want to get the help but they have to they have to hit that rock bottom and it's like yeah. i think it's the same with everything in life you know I'm, I'm kind of a believer that we all have our own addictions to something um absolutely and and uh, and yeah it is just that point of like hitting that you know what i don't i've had enough of this like i want i don't want this anymore so i'm gonna put these things in place and getting to that point where you're like you need that not not just half-heartedly you're not just thinking oh you know i'll probably be all right you're actually like you know what i am i'm at rock bottom i need to sort it out um and it's just like you say getting to that point make it making making this moment now that's it and then yeah and and you know tying back around to journaling as well it's so important that we log those times because we forget i, I personally am a, a, a cynical optimist i've been called I'm, I'm i always have hope but what happens is i end up forgetting stuff so by journaling in those times i can go back and remember how bad it was how how i felt and that often is enough inspiration to kind of keep that practice going you know if you wrote about your your hips maybe for me with squats it was my low back not my hips but same thing, I never did enough work to get to the point where I could really do that. Uh, but setting up little reminders that, that keep us on track is, is one little tool on how to, you know, like mm. whatever you need to, to say to yourself, little sign on your mirror in the morning is stretch, George. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mike, for me, it's Mike, don't be an idiot. Like, <laughs> do, the, do the work. No, yeah. And it's... Um... It's important, isn't it? It's kind of going into your own psyche and and not making it. A, it's like it's almost like you know when you when you get when you do it, you do a hobby, but then all of a sudden it's work, and then all of a sudden you don't enjoy it as much just because mm. in your head now you now it's work. Um, it's stopping. It's stopping that. It's it's making the decision not to make this work, not to make it something bad. Like focus on like oh look how great I feel when I meditate, or look how look how good my hips feel when I stretch. Um, yeah. yeah. It's really important. Yeah. Um, and, and so just to kind of, you know, before we wrap up, um, as, as you know, and we've been speaking about my mind's work specifically in kind of the exercising community. And we spoke quite a lot about exercise in this, um, in this interview. 
Um, I'm just kind of interested in, you mentioned exercise in the book, kind of, um, you know, here, there and everywhere, there's little bits. Um, what personal, what exercises do you do or what exercise do you do or what exercise have you done in the past to, to help with your mental health? The first thing that comes to mind is, is running in the forest. Um, and, and for me, that was often a, a, not even a choice. You know, I, this probably happened in my teens, but I would be in these really low points and I would just run. And I happened to live up against, you know, a lot of uh, forests and trails. And I would just be able to go out there and run, you know, sometimes crying, sometimes not. Sometimes, you know, that uh, uh, sadness would turn into anger and this fuel and I would just push and push and push. Um, exercise, I mean, that, that oftentimes felt amazing just because it would get endorphins going, uh, get blood flow. Um, or be so you know a lot of historically a lot of my push to exercise really hard came from a came from a side that wasn't necessarily great but i never wanted to hurt anybody else i never wanted to um you know be destructive so i found exercise to be this kind of helpful uh this way to turn that energy into something that would make me a better person make me stronger so exercise historically kind of saved saved my life a lot because I had something that could handle that much energy. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit older now. I, I still keep fit, but I've had some injuries that have kept me out for a lot. And that's been really hard. I've noticed it a lot. It's really hard to only be able to like go for walks, mm. you know, when I'm dying to burn all this energy. It's like I have to walk. Having all this energy and finding out how to use it, how to express it without having your normal output mm. um that can be very insightful i think that's it i think that's quite a common use of exercise for mental health is like a it's a um output for your you know stress or energy you know worries etc it's it's something physical you can put your stress into a physical thing you know you can run until you're tired or you, you can lift yeah. this weight um i think that's something a lot of people use it for yeah and it's it's a wonderful catharsis it really gets it really, it, it um, you know, it's not address. It's a great fuel. It's not necessarily addressing where that fuel's coming from. Like for me, growing up, I had a lot of anger and rage, which came from a sadness and this, this like not knowing stuff. I didn't know how to deal with it, so I ended up with this anger, and I used that as a fuel to work out. And it was an endless fuel because I wasn't actually addressing what was going on. Mm. Right. I wasn't actually looking in and being like, oh, I'm angry because of this and this and this. And I need to work on that. I almost didn't want to because it was this endless fuel where I had to become like this warrior. You know, I had this idea in, in my teens that I needed to be this, uh, you know, warrior and just train and train. And it was great. I mean, it felt wonderful. It also got me really fit. And and um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be fit, but. Uh, what what came to was when I started dealing with things, I found these much more um, these reasons why and how what being a warrior because this is my personal path. I'm going to stay with it. Um, what that looked like for me, what was important. Uh, physical was definitely part of it, but it's also being a mental warrior, like being able to engage and address anything, like anything that comes at me, internal or external. Mm. Um, vulnerable or not being able to address with that um 
but I don't want to get too far off the question. Being fit is so, or, or rather exercise and having a routine is helpful in so many ways. And one of them ties back to the, just the discipline. If you have a practice and it doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day, um, that you just know that's part of your life, mm. you know, and you tap on like for you, tacking on that three minutes or two minutes of hip stretching before your workout it's a great reminder anything we have that's already set into our day uh we can kind of tack things onto as a reminder mm. and start to incorporate more and more um uh, tools that we're we're trying to yeah bring into our exercises um you know, a big part of kind of what I want to do in my mind is, is highlight the positives and the negatives and, and kind of show how, you know, it can, it can contribute to people's lives in, in a multi, like a multifaceted way. There's lots of different things that can come from it. Um, and, um, a part of it for part of it for me, the, the way that it was negative for me was that, you know, I, I used it initially for this, this idea of like, you're, you know, kind of letting out this energy and, um, you know, wanting to become something, you know, wanting to, mm become this you know like fit individual um but my my kind of the negative side of it for me was that it became that if i didn't do it that's mm -hmm. where it, it, there was there was a fear of that i i become less than if i miss it and that's mm -hmm. where my issues come and i think that's where the the um issues with exercise can come is it's it's based on your your reasonings why you're exercising so you can exercise you could exercise twice a day every day um, as long as you know your cycle, you know your the reason you're doing it is healthy, and the reason you're doing it is is a positive thing, and is having a positive effect on your life. Um, and obviously, you know you're looking after yourself and eating enough and all that extra stuff. But just kind of looking at it just in you know a very kind of narrow mindset. Um, but yeah, exercise. Exercise. The issue is when it comes, it goes from positive reinforcer. So it, you know, you're you're doing it because oh, this feels great. I get all these nice feelings out of it. I'm making new friends and this is wonderful. And now I want to keep exercising. But then if it flicks the switch and turns into a negative reinforcer of if I stop, if I ever miss a session, people are going to hate me. I'm not as good. You know, I'm, things are good. Bad things are going to happen. That's where the issue can come in. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I think, it, I think it's a really important thing that people know um you know the the ins and outs of how exercise can affect you not just you know i know all these these companies are trying to make money out of exercise and, and things so, so they mm -hmm. need to promote the positives and it is really important um but i think it's really important that people understand the you know the possible negatives that can come as well absolutely yeah and, and that's with anything but um yeah and, and we do respond more to losing something than we do to gaining as you mentioned, you know, sometimes if you were to stop going to the gym or, you, you know, say your body just hurts, you know, we all have these big cycles. Sometimes you need a break, you know, sometimes you need a week off, not just an off day, but it's like, I really need to take a, take a week off before I collapse and then get sick and have to take two or three weeks off. Mm. So yeah, being able to honor that and doing that without feeling that we're going to the, the fear of loss, you know, trusting that we'll come back to it is uh can be really Im important so, sometimes we really have to step away to really come back fully you know and i know you write poetry as well and i i, I have written a lot as well and um i used to get i used to go through phases where i didn't write 
And I had, you know, I was part of writers groups, poetry groups, and people would be, when they got there, they'd be like, I'm terrible. Like, I'm not writing. What do you do when you have writer's block? I'm like, it's not writer's block. I'm, I'm gestating. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've taken all this information in and I'm not in a point to, to share and write it. I'm not at all worried about it. And then in a month or something, then I would just like pour out these words. But, and, and a lot of people that I saw in, in these groups, they would not allow themselves to step far enough away to come back fully. They would always be holding and, and afraid. They're like, well, if I don't keep writing, even though I don't want to write, you know, I'm going to lose it. Mm. But I'm like, no, let it go completely. You need to take a break from the gym, go 50 miles away from the gym. And then when you come back to the gym, show up, mm. you know, but, and you know, it's not always the case. Sometimes we're just feeling lazy and mopey and it's like, no, get your butt to the gym and work through it. And, you know, part of the work is finding out that which one we're doing, you know, are mm. we just being lazy or are we, do we actually need a little break? And that, that's part of some of you know, the tools that you use in your, in, you talk about in your book and help you with that. I think I've actually got the quote written here is, you know, the key to understanding yourself is to make some things, uh, some, some of what is currently unconscious conscious. So, you know, that's, that's part of what it is, isn't it? You know, there's so much in our minds that is unconscious. I think, I think one of the things that I try and I talk to people about a lot, uh, oh my words, <laughs> one of the things that I talk I to people about a lot is um, the fact that because it's in our brain and because it's our mind, we presume that we should just know it. And because of that, we don't allow ourselves to explore it. And people feel it's so strange to, you know, to sit and you know, meditation has this weird, I, uh, you know, air around it because people think it might it's strange to look in yourself because like why bother like it's my mind i get it like it's, it's my yeah. head but there's so much in there it's infinite like the amount of things you can think about is literally infinite um you know there's so it's much wild. unexplored territory and it's really important yeah. to get in there and that's just the thinking side there's also the whole feeling side mm. there's there's a quote um from this author i i, I used to love a lot uh, julian james the quote was, consciousness is like a flashlight looking around a dark room for something that doesn't have light shining upon it. Because wherever it looks, it will shine light. Its only logical conclusion is that the whole room is lit. So with our thinking, like what you were saying about this, this um, you know, it's our mind. Of course we know it. It's like, yeah, but it's that same thing. Like we're only aware of what's currently in our in our line of sight mm. and how much is not and sticking with that analogy like the the key really is to step outside of that role to, to be able to see that whole thing and you know meditation is only a part of what i i do and and that whole mindfulness practice is only a part of it but it, it is an important cornerstone there's a lot of different ways to go about it but be able to creating a little bit of space between our minds and ourselves it's kind of a for some going to be a really weird concept it's like well i am my mind but to be able to step out and be able to see that and see our absurdity kind of like you with the stretching it's like yeah well i know i do it i just keep doing it it's like that's an empower that's a great first place to be it's like with my you know my cycles and my absurdities of which i have plenty the first step is to be able to laugh at yourself and be able to see that and say well okay great now what? 
It, what one of the I've, I've watched a podcast. I listened listened to a podcast. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I just remember the person talking about meditation, and they were saying how um, you know a lot of people struggle with meditation, and they say you know I I can't even do like twenty seconds. It does my head in, and I just so I just don't think I should bother. But the mm. fact that you've figured out that you can't think about and you can't meditate for twenty seconds is you've learned something. You, you've now, yeah. you've now, you've just, you've just spent 20 seconds learning that you can't spend 20 seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's something you've learned instantly. Oh. And you, you know, it's something you can work on. God. Yeah. And sometimes that's terrifying. Like mm. to even face the fact that you can't shut up to yourself. That can be right. And I, I get there too, especially if, you know, I go through some anxiety or I got a lot of stress and I'm not sticking with the work. I know I'll sit down and be like, wow, I cannot shut up. I cannot stop. And then I look for a distraction. I'm like, well, I better clean the kitchen. You know, or I better do this or do that. It's like, you just can't stop. So yeah, it's, it's again, it's one of these indicators. It's one of these little check engine lights that goes on that as you kind of tune in more, it can be, oh, wow. Well, I better, like, mm -hmm. I, I cannot stop myself from thinking right now. Okay, well, let's take a minute. And, you know, just like exercise, the more you do it, the more you practice, the more quickly you can get to these places. Mm. You know, if you're doing stuff every day, you don't need to uh, spend an hour and a half warming up, you know, which I'm mostly just walking. I'm, I'm kind of on a little break because of some injuries. So mm. I, need to, I need to warm up for an hour and a half. Like I don't even get to where people who are exercising uh, or, or doing it every day takes me that long just to like get into the body because i'm not um uh super uh, uh, practiced with it at the moment mm. which mm. sucks to even admit but that's the truth of it yeah but it you know it, we all kind of go through these phases don't we and it you know it's, it's just part of part of the the life that we live isn't it you know you have these you have these situations where things just can't can't be how you want them to be currently um, but you know, it's, it's seeing the bigger picture, you know, and, and seeing where you're going. Yeah. 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 And I, I always see it as an opportunity to appreciate that, which we haven't yet had a chance to put energy to. Mm. So for yeah, me, so not yeah. being able to work out and exercise a lot, it's like, okay, well, I got all this other, these other riches within me and these other things that now I can put a lot more energy into. Mm, yeah, it's an opportunity. It's kind of, it's almost like a forced opportunity to open up that definition. And, you know, you know what, I can't, I can't do this now. So now I have to find some, and I think that's a positive that's come with the, the lockdown and the quarantine, you know, with gyms being closed and stuff for a lot of people is, you know, you've been forced, they've been forced not to be able to go to the gym. You know, and so I know a lot of people have been doing home workouts and stuff, but you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of extra time that people have, you know, had to, you know, maybe fill with other stuff or find a, you know, some kind of peace for an hour where you just don't do anything, um, which mm. is a serious skill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of wrap things up now. Um, cause I don't want to, I don't want to make the, the interview too long. I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, but thank you so much, Mike, for this conversation. Honestly, I feel like I could speak to you for like four or five hours straight and we just never shut up. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, can you kind of finish off here just by kind of letting people know where they can find you, either social media and websites, and also just kind of, yeah, wrap up by, you know, explaining a little bit more about your book or how people can get it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's been a pleasure being here. I, I enjoy talking to you and I love what you're doing in the space with my own minds. Thank you. Um, 
So yeah, uh, Mike Dayem, I try to keep everything consistent. So uh, MikeDayem.com is the website and keep an eye out there. I'm going to be doing some programs as well coming up and, and I'm sharing more and more there. Uh, Instagram as well, Mike Dayem, there's always information going out there. The book Suicidal to Superhuman is going to be available on Amazon. Uh, I believe by the time this uh, gets put out, it, you'll be able to pick it up there. So both the print copy and the EPUB will be available. So grab a copy, uh, share, read, let me know feedback. If it you know resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it and um, just keep doing this work. And then I believe we're also doing a giveaway. We are, we are. Um, I, I believe it's three of the online versions of the books or the kind of, you know, the web versions. Um, and we're going to be doing a giveaway on our Instagram. So everyone look out for that. Um, I, yeah, you'll, we'll kind of, we'll organize the logistics of it more close to the time, but I believe that I'm going to be announcing it on the 4th of September. So, um, this will be going out on the 2nd of September. Uh, so everyone just, yeah, keep, keep eyes on the Instagram um, for a couple of days from now. Okay. Yeah. The book comes out, uh, September 10th is national suicide prevention day. And I realize I'm speaking internationally, so uh, take that with a grain of salt. But, uh, yeah, September here is kind of National Suicide Awareness Month. Uh, we picked September 10th as the, the date to go out, but it'll be available for pre-order uh, before that on Amazon. And um, uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing this work and, and uh, reaching as many people as I can to help, you know, give the tools that I most needed. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Um, everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. Um, like we said, look out for that. Um, what's the word again? I'm, I, I'm losing my words today. Why am I losing my words? Look out for the giveaway. Um, <laughs> and thank you for listening one more time. Um, and yeah, thank you, my minds. <laughs>